Welcome back to What You'll Learn. My name is Adam Ashton. And my name is Adam Jones. Today we are doing 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Something that's going off tap in terms of being a bestseller at the moment. Mate, pretty much it launched in January 2018. It's pretty much been up at the top ever since. Yeah, I loved it, man. So it's like 12 Rules. He's obviously a clinical psychologist. He's spent you know decades in the, in the industry and studied a lot of the Bibles and all these like archetypal and Carl Jung and, and um, all the... Hero Joseph Campbell and all these kind of guys, and to put it into 12 rules for life that we can all take to, I guess, have a better life. Mate, the 12 rules are 10 out of 10. Yep. The book, 4 out of 10. But we'll get more on that later. <laughs> <laughs> mate, mate so I thought it was a 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10. It's, it's one of the best books I've nah, ever read. Too much. Too we'll much get into it. Shit. Uh, mate, so the, he talks about the difference between order and chaos in the introduction to kick it off. So he says that essentially life is just this, this mix of order and chaos. So order is when the people around you act accordingly to you know, social norms, they remain predictable, remain cooperative. And then chaos is basically when the unexpected happens. And so there's always a bit of order, there's always a bit of chaos. And the, the sad part is that most people get a bit of chaos and that completely derails their whole life. Mm. So what he's saying is this is, as he, the subtitle says, the antidote for chaos. Yeah, and that's what, it, it comes up in every good book as, as well. It's like that kind of idea of flow, it's that kind of idea of being just outside your comfort zone, it's the yin and the yang, it's... It comes up in a lot of different places in our culture, so so Definitely. that's what it's all about. You don't want to be in too much order, but you don't want to be in too much chaos either. And he says, just when everything seems lost, new order can emerge from catastrophe and chaos. Yeah. So that's what we're looking for. It's good stuff. So we'll get stuck into it, man. We've got shitloads of notes, so we'll see this how could, we go This could have been it. the longest episode. Because yes. each each chapter we could do a thirty minutes on, yep. so we're gonna we'll, we'll do the real summary version. Mm, there's heaps of cream. So rule number one is stand up straight with your shoulders back. Man, he starts off talking about different animals and how they've got their own uh, dominance hierarchies or pecking orders. Yeah, so these this kind of thing is ingrained in our evolutionary DNA from a, like a deep Darwinian kind of sense. And he goes hard on lobsters. So these things are hundreds of millions of hundreds of millions old, but they've got a similar neurochemistry to us. He says, so like say lobsters back in the day or even still today, when there's there's only a limited amount of space in the mm. bottom of the the sea field and a limited number of resources, so the top lobsters, the top dogs get the most resources and so forth. And those are the ones who, who fight the other lobsters and, and stuff like that. And the lobsters that keep winning have the better neurochemistry and they get more and more resources and then they get the girls and so forth. But the lobsters at the bottom of the, right, the, the, bottom of the hierarchy have a very low uh, neurochemistry and they kind of just suck balls really. They just suck. <laughs> but So that's where this whole idea of you know standing up straight with your shoulders back, it's having this neurochemistry of the top lobster or the top human and it's kind of like telling yourself and it's very like Tony Robbins life right get in the state yeah because what he says is that the lobsters essentially they're what they do is you know if two lobsters are fighting for one place they'll you know stand up straight with their shoulders back they'll open their claws they'll do a dance they'll squirt these jets of um, <clears throat> chemicals at each other and essentially one could back away which means the other one's a winner that's like the ideal for both parties essentially if not they might do a bit more if it escalates to full-scale combat essentially one's going to die yeah so essentially they're saying that the bigger one with the you know standing up straight with his shoulders back the one who seems the strongest is probably going to win before the fight even happens yeah and then it's an unequal distribution of stuff that goes to that top guy so this kind of thing he says that this is this hierarchy is so ingrained in our dna it's not like a a cultural construct of say capitalism where capitalism makes sure that the, the top dogs have all this power. It's something that's actually even beneath that. And so this, this in Peterson's opinion, this explains why 
you know, 1% have the top 50% of, of wealth or whatever. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, the 85 richest people have equal to the bottom 3.5 billion. As bad as that is and this unequal distribution, then it's kind of a natural thing that, that Peterson's saying. So, uh, yeah, stand up straight with your shoulders back. Yep, that's what it's all about. You don't want to be the bottom of the hierarchy. You want to walk around like you're a bit of a top dog. Yeah. Rule two, treat yourself like you would someone you're responsible for helping. And he talks about here how if you had a kid or you had a pet and you go to the doctor, they were sick, and the doctor said, here's a prescription. Give them you know, two tablets a day for the next five days. You'd do it absolutely without error. But if they said it to you, you'd yep. almost... Almost definitely think, oh, no, I'm, I'm right. On, oh, day three, I'm better now. I don't need to take it anymore. Yeah, that's it. And throughout the book, he goes hard on these kind of Bible analogies. And he's got one here about Adam and Eve. And it's this, this idea that when God told Adam that the fruit of the tree of knowledge was forbidden, but then Adam, like we like us Adams do, don't we, <laughs> mate? We're a bit, a bit rebellious. He went and ate the, the forbidden fruit. And then they found out they were naked. And the first thing they did was they put clothes on. So it's... This idea that we are immediately ashamed and we know these faults and vulnerabilities and, and weaknesses of stuff. But what Peterson's saying is d- despite this, these vulnerabilities we have, we should try and say walk with God, which is not in really the traditional sense, more like walk with this ideal you have to be a better person. Yeah, that's interesting. That makes sense. Well, it does, but this is, that was my criticism of the book is that I don't know where, how that ties into the rule. Mm. But I suppose it does if you, if you really think about it really hard. But what he says is that, you know, if you, you know, someone you're responsible for, say you've got a kid and every time you give them a sweet, then they get happy. But that doesn't mean that all you should do is make them happy by giving them sweets. So what he's saying, you have to do things that look after them, you know. So you have to make them brush their teeth. You have to make them wear um, their snowsuits if they're going out in the snow, even if they don't want to put it on. Uh, you have to... Uh, if your dog's just uh, got a ovaries cut out, you need to make sure you know, little Charlie down here is... Little uh, Charlie's looking at me just like with tears running through her she's eyes. She's got a cone on, done. mate. Need to give her that tablet in a sec. Yeah. But the, so they're saying that you're always going to do what's best for them, but how can we not do it for ourselves? So we need to make sure that we're always looking after ourselves as we would looking after someone we're responsible for. Yeah. Rule three was make friends with people who want the best for you. And mate, He talks about a lot about his old mate... Chris and Chris's cousin who were completely off the rails essentially but he was saying that you don't want to be hanging out with those people you want to be hanging out with people who want the best for you yeah and everyone's got this Chris in their life and he says you know if if this this person who's been a victim I guess when you try and rescue the damned you get to first check why they're in the trouble Mm. don't assume that they are a noble victim of unjust circumstances and exploitation like if you buy everything that happened on its own they take in no personal responsibility for all the shit that they find themselves in. Yeah, exactly, man. I really liked what he said here. He says that success is actually misery. Success is bloody hard. Virtue is inexplicable. What he's saying is to fail is just easy, man. All you need to do is cultivate a few bad habits and you fail. Yeah, you could. Success is what's really, really hard and, and it's almost miserable to get there. So you want to be surrounding with people who are willing to go through that misery to succeed, not who are just taking that easy way out, taking a few bad habits and failing. Yeah, so on the other side of not hanging out with these kind of dickheads, yeah. it's also really hard to surround yourself with good, healthy people because mm. if someone's like doing much better than you, it makes you feel that a little bit more insecure. Yeah, exactly, man. And he says it's, it's tough to stand next. If someone's just absolutely killing it in life and then you're mates with them, if someone compared the two of you, they're thinking, who's this dropkick? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it is tough. Yeah. Rule four was compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who 
uh, who someone else is today. Yeah, that's it, man. And that's I think it comes up in, in pretty much everything. You might look to some celebrity or someone in your company higher up and you think, oh, they're killing it. Mm. But you shouldn't be comparing yourself to who someone else is today. You should be comparing yourself to who you were yesterday and making sure you're always improving yourself every day. Yeah, that's it. So back in the day, or even if you go as far as our ancestors as we were evolving, they probably had a tribe of like 50 people. And if you were, it's much easier to be the top of the hierarchy of 50 people. Mm. But today, for example, if we take podcasting for an example, right, mm. we're going up against people like Joe Rogan. So if me and Ash Joe, we, we, <laughs> we um, looked at the top of the hierarchy there, it's much, it's, yeah. it's a whole different game, you know. So and he's done what, 12, almost 1,200 episodes. Um, and so if we were comparing 120 episodes, us today, to his 1,200 episodes, we didn't think, oh, fuck, we're so shit. Yep. There's always someone out there who's doing better than you. Yeah. But everyone's got their own specific problems as well, right? So, yeah. you know, a celebrity might have, say, in the field of money than you, but he's a, he's a drug addict who just is fucking <laughs> yeah. animals or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, you don't want to compare yourself to that guy, do you? Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that. Yeah. What was the next rule, dude? Uh, Let's get off rule this five. One. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's steer this back on course, mate. Rule five: Don't let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. We don't have kids, but I thought this was a really great chapter. Yes, and something to revisit. Yeah, there are uh, there are catastrophes waiting at the extremes of moral every moral continuum. Mm. So if you got say a dog named Charlie and, <laughs> and you just let it jump on the table and try and eat your pizza last bad. night. <laughs> oh, man, I thought this is a hypothetical. No, 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 no. You let your dog try and eat our pizza last night. So if you're being so nice to the dog in mm. or, your, or your kids, you're really not helping them in the long run. Yeah. Actually being that little bit harder and showing some kind of discipline will probably make them better in the long run. Exactly, man. He says um, that you know kids essentially need to learn. They're not just inherently good. So they're going to do things that are bad and it's up to the parent to correct the course along the way, guide them. Because essentially, kids need uh, adults and they need peers. And essentially, if the adult uh, allows them to run wild and do whatever, then the peers aren't going to accept the kids. Because yeah. no kid wants to play with another kid who's a piece of shit. Mm. So if you're, And then it's just a downward spiral, man. And then even the parents, man. Everyone, like, all yeah. the adults in the room, if the kid's a little fucking brat running around and playing, throwing its toy truck all over you, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. You don't want to be near it, do you? Yeah. So as a parent, if you're thinking, oh, I don't want to make my kid upset, I don't want to experience this short-term 30-second temper tantrum, you're really killing it in the long, in the, in the long run. He has yeah. this quote, don't cast pearls before swine, and it's a bit of a story, the Jordan um, babysitting story. Yeah. Well, mate, you had this this, <laughs> this, this guy who, uh, you know, apparently the kid was a little shit. So Jordan Peterson went to babysit and the dad said, oh, you know, he doesn't sleep. He'll always get up and yell. He'll run around. He'll go and watch. And then whenever, whenever he does that, I'll let him watch Elmo to calm him down. <laughs> and yeah. Peterson's just like, mate, this is not good. So Peterson, <laughs> so when he was babysitting, he went up to the, the cot or whatever, put him in. Yeah. And then this kid kept trying to get back up and Peterson stood there and just like pushed him back down, pushed him back down for like an hour and telling him no. <laughs> like, a, like a bully yeah. but he got his way didn't he mate well the kid slept and then the, when the dad came home and found the kid asleep he's like what the hell yeah. how did this happen you can't be a pushover from your kid yeah. <laughs> the kid's a little bitch and you're the big dog exactly That's man so he had a, mate, a few a summary principles of uh, of parenting I guess is number one is limit the rules so don't have it so hard to live that they, there's so many rules I have to follow number two is use minimum necessary force to enforce those rules 
another one he has is parents should understand their own capacity to be harsh, vengeful, vengeful, arrogant, resentful, angry, and deceitful. Because yeah. obviously, if if you snap and go off at your kid, that's a pretty bad example as well. Yeah, that's it. The next rule, number six, is set your house in order before you criticize the world. And there might be a lot of people who think, oh, there's all these big, you know, issues in the world. I want to go out and tackle them all. But he's saying that maybe a better place to start is with ourselves. Yeah, that's a, it's a great point, isn't it? Yeah. You know, a lot of people out there are blaming the government. You're blaming your, your wife. You're blaming all these other things. But really, you've got to take your personal responsibility. And it kind of links into that, you know, be proactive kind of chapter. Just take mm. all the shit that's going down in your life. It's all your fault, basically. Yeah, <laughs> definitely, man. <laughs> it says if, if something completely, uh, you know, unrelated to you happens and you think, oh, that's, that was so unjust, so bad, I want to go out and protest. But his, his, what his um, thing, you know, is clean your room. That's his big thing, isn't it? Yeah, clean your room. <laughs> yeah. He says it's that's one of those things that it, there's no limit to the potential of what your room can be, a bit like your life. We've all got this no limit. And if you keep going in the right direction, then you can start being pretty, pretty sick, really. Exactly, man. Yeah. Exactly. Rule seven is pursue what is meaningful, not what is expedient. That's it, man. Essentially expedient. That's the easy way out, isn't it? Doing the quick and easy thing. Pursuing what's meaningful is a lot tougher. But yep. in the long run, that's what you want. So, yeah, the immediate answer to this is just pursue pleasure, follow mm. your impulses, you know, and go out for benders, live for the moment, do what is expedient, lie, cheat, steal, deceive, manipulate, but just don't get caught. Every man for himself, simply do whatever you can get and whenever the opportunity arises. Yeah, mate, it sounds good, but it's not good. Not in the long run, <laughs> is it? The, long the run. other way is like the delay of gratification. Yeah, we want to delay that gratification. So he's big on this idea of sacrifice, and it means that something may be better attained in the future by giving up something of value in the present. Mate, he's got a quote by Carl Jung here, and I might be taking this out of context, but we'll just go with that. But he says, No tree can ever grow to heaven unless its roots reach down to hell. And the context I take that, it's a bit like the, the eating shit idea. Of, <laughs> <laughs> Gary Vaynerchuk crushing it. But the Gary Vaynerchuk. I mean, like, you've, the roots got to go down to hell before you can like, mm. reach the heaven. So you got to go through a bit of a dip. And, that's mm. the con- and it's definitely a different context of Peterson, but we'll go with that. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, 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 yeah that's all right, mate. Um, rule eight, tell the truth or at least don't lie. Mm. So... You know, taking the easy way out or telling the truth. Those are two merely different choices. They are different pathways through life. Yeah. They are utterly different ways of existing. Yeah, exactly, man. And he talks about even that some people lie by manipulating the world. So they, you know, political spin or manipulating or acting politically or trying to influence people to get something, to do something, either lying by omission or commission. So commission, actively lying, omission, leaving something out, yeah. which is effect lying. Yeah, which is probably on probably at that level. Yeah, I'm more omission than commission. We, we said I, we had that conversation last night. I think that's good because I'm not commission, but that's still bad. Yeah, it's still bad. And there's this idea of life lies as well. So someone living a life lies attempting to manipulate reality with dece- uh, perception uh, through a- thought and action so that mm. only some narrowly desired and predefined outcome is allowed to exist. Yeah, Interesting, man. And so there's, he talks about the extremes on one end of how bad a life life could be, but also on the other end, he says that a naively formulated goal transmutes over time to a life lie. It might be like, I, I don't want to work anymore. I just want to lie on the beach and drink margaritas. Yeah. And then you having that goal in your mind completely over time, if that's your main goal, it completely turns into a life lie. You get shit at your work mm. and you think... He says that, you know, that's not a plan. That's just a, that's just a dream because if you go online, you beach drinking margaritas, it's good for a day 
Yeah. And then maybe even five days, maybe a week. But he says, after a week, it's just sad. Yeah. Yeah. So this <laughs> Actually, he says pathetic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. So it's kind of like lying to yourself. And it's it's hard to... It's kind of being authentic as well. He doesn't mm. really articulate in that sense. But if you do not reveal yourself to others, you cannot reveal yourself to yourself. Mm. That doesn't mean mm. that you suppress who you are, although it does mean that. It means that so much of what you could do will never be forced by necessity to come forward. Yeah. So you're not that. being yourself and authentic and you, who you are is really never going to come out of your life. It's is pretty tragic, really. Yeah. Man, another type of lie he says is um, adopting single axiom. So the government is all bad. All immigration is dangerous. The patriarchy is completely evil. Anything where you've got that one definite single view of the world, that's also a, a lie, essentially. Yeah. So instead of lying, mate, we've got to tell the truth. Tell the truth and just be yourself, whoever that kind of person is deep, deep down. Yeah. Rule 10 is be precise. Uh, rule 9, mate. Rule Assume nine. the person you're listening to might know something that you don't. So whenever you're involved in a genuine conversation, you're listening and you're also talking, but he says mostly listening. Listening is paying attention and it's amazing what people tell you if you listen. So it's sort of like you know seven habits of highly effective people. Seek first to understand then to be understood. So listen first, speak later. Yeah. And he also says if the people who aren't listening, so if you're speaking to someone and they're not really listening to who you are, just shut up and don't give them any more as well. That's the other side of the <laughs> Yeah, question. exactly, man. And he said it's amazing what people tell you if, if you listen. So if people feel that you're genuinely listening to them and genuinely listening means not preemptively passing judgment or assessing what they're saying, you're actually just listening to understand. He says, you know, people might tell you what's wrong with them. They might even tell you how to fix that thing that's wrong with them. And he says that might even translate to uh, them telling you something, how you can fix something wrong with yourself if you're listening properly and listening carefully. Yeah, it's good stuff. And it's one of those things like if this if this comes up through that many different books, then it oh, yeah. has to be objectively true and like a really good thing to adopt in your life, this idea of actually listening. you got two ears in, in one mouth. Yeah, I like it. And what he says, man, he says that um, what you know, like what you already know, is not enough unless your life is perfect. So essentially what you know has got you to where you are and if your life is perfect, that's enough, but nobody's life is perfect, which means there's somebody out there who's got something that is worth listening to. So whenever you're talking to someone, listen as if they've got something to tell you. What was the exact quote? I fucked that up completely. Assume the person you're listening to might know something that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. Rule 10 was be precise in your speech. Mate, this is your favorite one, wasn't it? Yeah, I really liked it. I didn't, like, if I read the rules before reading the actual book, I would have thought this would be one of the lower ones. But it's not really, it sounds like it's a lot about being very articulate, Mm. which I'm not, (laughs) unfortunately. But it's kind of saying, rule 10, be precise in your speech. So, he kicks, throughout this chapter, he talks about this awesome story about uh, this child story, which is, there is no such Mm. thing as a dragon. So it's about a small boy called Billy Bixby who spies on a dragon sitting on the end of his bed one morning and the the dragon's his little cheeky one. It's nothing too crazy. It's about the size of a friendly cat. He tells his mother about it. She says there is no such thing as a dragon. So then it starts to grow and it eats Billy's pancakes. Soon it keeps (laughs) growing (laughs) and it starts to fill the whole house. The mum tries to vacuum the house but the dragon's everywhere. She still denies it exists. Then Billy says there is a dragon mum. And then instantly, the dragon starts to shrink. Soon, it is cat size again. Mm. And she asks, why did it get so big? Billy suggests maybe it wanted to be noticed. Mm. It's nice. It's I good like stuff. That. So, it's this idea we've got the, the dragon is this kind of thing that 
in every relationship mm. there might be a a certain unconscious thing that's that's kind of chaos yes like simmering yeah. you got to kind of spell it out if you got a problem with your girlfriend or or your or your boyfriend articulate precisely what the problem is and then yes. this big dragon that might be sitting beneath might turn into this like little little tiny thing or it might be a dragon but either way you can actually deal with it if you exactly. let the dragon grow and grow and yes. grow, then you just get fucked up, really. Exactly, man. If you just ignore it, pretend like it's not there, pretend like it's not an issue, that dragon keeps growing, mm. keeps festering like a... below the surface and one day it'll pop through and it'll be this big yeah. house-sized dragon. Yeah, if there's like this blue thing growing on your, festering on your balls, you can just like <laughs> pretend it's not there, but you need to go to the doctors and find out what it is. <laughs> Is that a personal story again? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not, man. I was just saying. That's, uh, that's an example. That's, a, that's an example, but it really is a good example. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, that's a pretty sick kid's book. Yeah, it is. It's a phenomenal kid's book. Actually. So everything clarified and articulated becomes visible. So mm. if all you do is nothing, don't notice, don't react, don't attend, don't discuss, don't take responsibility, don't confront this chaos and turn it into order and just wait. And just anything but naive and innocent for the chaos will rise up mm. and engulf you instead and just, just fucking yeah. hit you for six. Man, I like this quote. You need to risk conflict in the present in the service of longer-term truth and peace. So that's mm. it. If you keep delaying it, it's going to be much worse later on. So have that conflict now while it's small and then the longer term will be much, much, much nicer. That's it. It's all just about specifying the problem and, and acknowledging it exists. And that's hard in the short term, but in the long run, you're going to be much better off. Yeah. Mate, rule 11, do not bother children when they are skateboarding. Yes. So most of them seem obvious so far. This is, this is a bit of a cryptic one. It is a little bit different. But it's good. Yeah. So this is where he goes in. He's big on his, um, kind, of, his kind of political kind of stuff about yeah. communism versus the left and the right and all this. And this is kind of where his, his opinion sheds through a little bit, I guess. Yeah. Mate, I'll let you take that. And I'll just say like the example of the skateboarding, you know, so there was at this... Um, at a high school and you know the the kids would go up uh, on their skateboards up to the stairs the handrail and try and grind down the handrail essentially and so what he was saying obviously they were learning they were practicing they were trying things having fun sometimes often they'd fall off uh, sometimes they'd hurt themselves uh, but essentially they just walked back up the stairs and had another crack and kept going kept going kept going <clears throat> and eventually they might get there but what they're saying was then one day the uh, the school didn't like all these you know skateboarding dudes hanging around, so I thought we're going to stop it. We're going to put these things, you know, at every every couple of meters along the rail, they put like a vertical bar, so that essentially they can't they can't grind down the bar. So I thought, oh, we'll stop this skateboarding. Yeah. But what he's saying is, you know, it was harmless. It was good fun. They were learning. They were experimenting. They were trying new things. And then this the uh, you know the powers that be came along and just fucked them up. So yeah, on the on the surface, it looks like you're being noble and you're trying to help them out. But in reality, when you're trying to help the oppressed, and this goes again to if you're trying to say make equality in society, where you're trying to trying to I guess help the the disabled and help the poor and all that. On the surface, mm. that's all all great. But when you keep breaking breaking it down, this equality kind of thing, you know what? Who is disabled? He says, is someone living with a parent who has Alzheimer's disabled? If so, why not? What about someone with low IQ? Some people clearly uh, move through life overburdened with some huge problems beyond their control. It's basically saying that everyone, you know, has got quite a bit of shit. Yeah. And this whole idea of group identity, it can be fractionated right down to the level of the individual. Mm. But every person is unique 
and group membership cannot ca- capture that variability. Mm. And I don't necessarily say I fully agree with everything you're saying there, but he's, but you can see his point. Yeah, no, definitely, man. And um, he ties it back with like the story of uh, Hansel and Gretel uh, and how the mum wanted to do everything for them. They ended up running away, getting trapped and getting cooked. And it wasn't until uh, I think Gretel saved him in the end. It wasn't until Gretel took the responsibility and, and took some action um, to get them out of the predicament they were in rather than relying on their mother for everything. Yeah, it's like this idea that gives the kids, the mum gives the kids everything. It's like this silent contract between the mum, the children and the devil, he says. So <laughs> the deal is above all, never leave me. In return, I'll do everything for you. Mm. As you age without maturing, you'll become worthless and bitter, but you will never, ever have to take responsibility. And everything you do that's wrong will always be someone else's fault. So as a child, you can accept this contract from the mother or yep. not. It's kind of like this idea. I used to work with a dude who was you know, 40 years old, still living with his mother. And yeah. you can tell he hasn't really grown and matured at all. He's, he's like a little bitch walk. <laughs> he's a nice guy though. <laughs> Mate, does he listen to the potty? I, I don't think so. <laughs> I hope not. Either. Oh, that's funny. Mate, rule 12, another cryptic one. Pet a cat when you encounter one on the street. Mm. And then he, that was a chapter title where then he says dogs are probably better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. You just yeah. want to get the cat people on board with the chapter title, but then he says <laughs> dogs are better. I'd have to agree with that. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a nutshell, it comes from this quote. It says, maybe when you're going for a walk and your head is spinning, a cat will show up. And if you pay attention to it, then you will get a reminder for just 15 seconds that the wonder mm. of being might make up for the eradicatable suffering that accompanies it. Exactly, man. He says that, you know, there's always a lot of shit going on. And a, a cat or a dog along the street is something that can pull you back to reality and realize how good life is. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a real wonder in being. Like my brother just recently had a baby, for example. Mm. And it's really bizarre that a baby can, you know, start from a sperm, yeah. grow into something inside a human and then Come jump out, out of a, 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 a hole. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, it's really a miracle. It it's like the wonder of being is there every day, but sometimes we forget about it. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of like taking a step back and, and really being in the present kind of Eckhart Tolle. So. Yeah, it is. It is. And he says that, you know, it could be, you know, essentially it's a it's a nice break. It's either an extra little bit of light on a good day or it's a tiny bit of respite on a bad day. So he says that, you know, pay enough careful attention. Even on bad days, you might be fortunate to come across some of these small opportunities. It might be a little girl in a ballet costume dancing along the street or it might be you know you get a really good cup of tea from a really nice barista who really cares about the customer or it might be taking 20 minutes to do something ridiculous to distract you he said he says he watches simpsons on 1.5 x because he says he gets all the laughs in two-thirds of the time yeah so (laughs) so he keeps talking about this idea of pinocchio a lot so wish upon a star have this long-term dream journey and try and make something of yourself in your life but in the present enjoy the whole journey as well yeah. each step yeah exactly that's sick so mate this is in my opinion this is what is why books are so good it's someone who's done 30 years of a lot of work and research mm. and all that and then you can access it for like you know 10 hours reading or whatever and, and 30 bucks yeah so that, that's the value of books and i think this is for me i know you didn't like it as much i think it's a book for everyone yeah and it's an absolute 10 out of 10 and there's so much wisdom in there that it's yeah it's crazy and it can really change your life mate my criticism of it i'd say the 12 rules are 10 out of 10 absolutely top-notch top-notch stuff and absolutely for everyone and the last two pages of every chapter uh everyone should read with a big but though the big but is the 30 pages leading up to that 
I wouldn't say everyone should read mm. um, because it's man. He starts off and he goes off on so many random tangents, and then it just at the end it randomly comes back. But I I don't see how a lot of these historical, political, um, biblical, uh, psychological um, mm. case studies all tie in. Man, it sends like as yeah. I was doing notes, I'm like, fuck, this is awesome. But then I look back at the chapter title and the lesson he's trying to teach. I'm like, how the fuck does that relate? But I'd say you and you'd probably agree with this would be a bit of an outlier because you've got a handful of mates. I've got a handful of mates mm. and there's so probably Jordan Peterson more than Tony Robbins, more than anyone like that would attribute Peterson for changing their life for the better yeah. in my own circle from people I know. And there's definitely people in, in your side as well. So Peterson, his content does improve and change a lot of lives. It didn't connect with, with yourself, but there's... No, mate, I think it's top-notch shit. I just think that... Uh, if this was you, if you if you read three books, don't read this because it's just too much random shit. If you read a hundred books, there's good stuff in here. Uh, if you've read uh, if you read three books, is not a good starting point because it's too much fucking random waffle. Well, that's, <laughs> it's, um, a, it's probably a bit too. Mate, harsh. a lot of people have never read before yeah. who are reading this book and it's changed their life as their first book. So that's mate, but also objectively the, wrong. No, nah, I think they're reading it as their first book because they love Peterson. Uh, not because it's a good. And first then they book so they read. read their first book and then they get their life changed by Peterson. Yeah. And then that's their first book. So that's probably a pretty good first book to change their life as their first book objectively. No. I'd say. If you haven't read a book before, don't read this. And why? <laughs> Man, it's just too much random shit that doesn't actually teach you stuff. It's like it's like 360 pages of effort for for 60 pages of really fucking top notch 10 out of 10 stuff. Yeah. Well, that's objectively yep. wrong. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, don't buy this book, see. Buy this book. <laughs> you got a couple of weeks to go to enter the competition to win 48 to 50 awesome books, all of Season 2's books. Yep, 48 books can all can change your life or punch you in the face, and or both of them. But there's three ways you can enter. There's number one, you can leave a review of the show on any place you can leave a review. Number two, survey. Whatyouwillearn.com slash survey. And yep, number three is buy a book. You can tweet to us, Instagram, send us an email or anything like that showing that you buy a book. Good Appreciate luck. It.